Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Nurse Becoming podcast. It's your host, Amanda Guarneri. Thank you so much for joining me today for a very special episode where we are going to be re-airing one of our top downloaded episodes of all time. And this is an episode that's all about interviewing. And I wanted to re-air it not only because it is one of our most popular episodes of all time, but also because the timing is good timing because we're talking about interview preparation and interview tips, which depending on when you're listening to this episode, this might be relevant to you. It's kind of that time of year where people are graduating and interviewing and applying for jobs, but also timely for us because I am releasing a new product, a new program next week called Interview Prep Magic. And I wanted to let you know a little bit early so that if this is you, if you're in this season where you are learning about interviewing and you want to get ready and really have that competitive edge and that preparation when you are standing out as a candidate, then you may want to get in on the first launch pricing of this program. So we'll be having a promotion that starts next week. If you are listening in real time, it'll be the first week of June, 2022. And you can learn more about interview prep magic at theresumerx.com slash interview. That link will go live when the program is ready for enrollment. But Like I said, I wanted to give you a heads up because, you know, these episodes only drop once a week and sometimes things happen pretty quickly. This will be a promotion that spans really only seven days. So there'll only be one episode that I release during the actual promotion itself. So I figured it would be kind of me to give you a little heads up. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Even if you've listened to it before, listen to it again. It's been well over a year since it aired. And I think it's really good to listen to things more than once because we can really learn something new every time we listen. So without further ado, here is the episode I recorded with Dr. Ashley Clevens-Hayes, all about practical interview tips. Welcome to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume Rx, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self-discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth all through the lens of nursing. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Nurse Becoming podcast. So excited to dive in to the topic of interviews and interview prep today with my guest, Dr. Ashley Hayes. Ashley and I, you'll hear the story in the interview, she and I connected really when I was in the very early stages of this business back in 2018. And we're definitely complimentary, whereas she is an excellent, excellent interview prep resource. We have kind of put our heads together to make up for each other's gaps. She has definitely taught me a lot about interviews. I've taught her a lot about resumes. And I was very excited when she agreed to be a guest on the podcast to share 
a lot of gems about interview prep. So let me tell you a little bit more about Ashley. She is the founder and executive career coach and strategist at RX Ashley. We both have RX in our name, which is why we were destined to be friends. <laughs> she is a pharmacist by training and the former director of clinical operations and faculty at the University of Southern California. And she now is in her career coaching business full time. And she leads the company with a mission to teach healthcare professionals how to stand out in a competitive marketplace and thrive in their careers. I think you are really going to enjoy hearing from Ashley. And at the end, we definitely talk about where you can connect with her. And of course, as always, head to the show notes for the links that are mentioned in this episode. So without further ado, Dr. Ashley Clevens Hayes. Hey, Ashley, welcome to the show. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. I was trying to think back before we hit record to when and how we met. And I don't know if you remember this, but I actually remember where exactly I was when we talked on the phone for the first time. Okay. I think I remember too. I think I was on the freeway driving to a speaking engagement. Yes. You were You were definitely on a long, you were on a long drive. (laughs) 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 And I was at Starbucks for this like two hour period that I had twice a week when my kids were at preschool, I'd like go to the Starbucks down the street. But anyway, you had reached out to me because we both kind of run around in the medical career circles. So I I just wanted to thank you for connecting with me way back when, because it's turned into a really nice professional relationship. Yeah, I am. I feel like I do remember I was I I remember I was getting on the freeway and I was super excited to talk to you. And then you told me that you were really specializing in resumes at the time. And I was like, perfect. I'm going to send all of my people your way. And then fast forward two years and we're all doing all the things differently. I know. Right. Like we've <laughs> definitely, it's been fun because we've been able to like see each other's business, uh, business yeah, you're evolve. Amazing. And I'm really, really excited. You know, your audience and your clients have your support because it is so important to have a safe place to turn to. And, and I've worked with dozens of nurses and I'm friends with nurses. Uh, I see nurses work every day and it is a powerful career that requires all of the things you need to be able to juggle all the things. So yeah, thank you for being here. And um, most importantly, thanks for your referrals. I love working with all of your clients. It's been a really great symbiotic relationship. Yes, I agree. And I've already introduced you formally, um, but I'd love for you to tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, about what you do in your own words. Sure. So my background, I'm a trained pharmacist and I'm actually a third generation pharmacist. So when I went to pharmacy school, I was like, well, actually growing up, I was always going to be a pharmacist. That was just the thing. And then when I went into pharmacy school, now this is like a long time ago, over a decade ago now, I always knew I wanted to do something different, you know, non-traditional, but I didn't really understand what that meant until I really got into the weeds of my own career. I went into hospital administration I got my master's in healthcare administration. So my pathway was definitely heading really towards leadership and health systems or hospital administration just in general. And then in the middle of that, a few things happened. My personal life really got windy. My husband is a physician and all of us now experience this medical journey is crazy. Uh, Medical school and then residency and fellowship and we moved all over the country for a lot of years and it was just really hard for me to maintain this straight path for my career with balancing my our marriage and obviously having a family. 
So that was one. Two, I kind of got this itch to just have a wider impact. And organically and naturally, I had friends, family, colleagues reaching out to me for career advice, just like one-offs. And I distinctly remember this one morning when my, one of my friends, she was like, Ashley, you know, you should really get paid for this. Like a lot of people turn to you, you have such great advice. And I see that you, what you post on social media, why don't you turn this into a thing? And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) I was like, what is a career coach? Or like, what does that even look like? So I first started out in 2016, just like posting on LinkedIn that I was reviewing people's resumes. Because what I realized is after spending years and years talking to these high level, amazing medical professionals who were super educated, very ambitious, um, we tend to, let's say in the nicest way possible, like we're not really good at marketing ourselves. So what I did is I took people's resumes and I would review them and then I I would talk to them on the phone or in person. And I realized the disconnect of how poorly we were advocating or selling our skills on a resume. Now, unlike you who focused on resumes in the beginning, I was like, there's no way I'm going to do resumes because I hated sitting on the computer. So I just started helping people on interviews. And so this whole evolution was really me starting to post on LinkedIn that I was reviewing resumes for free. Over a six month period, I reviewed over 5,000 CVs and resumes. And that translated into you know people getting interviews. And then fast forward almost five years now, and now I'm full blown doing this full time interview prepping people every single day and career coaching, leadership development um, for women in particular in healthcare, really in, in medicine and all the ancillary care services. So I didn't just like wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a career coach. It's really evolved into this need for women in healthcare on how to really translate their skills and communicate their skill set more effectively to key stakeholders. So it really starts at the interview prep journey, but then it kind of bleeds into personal development, professional development, uh, leadership development, and all of those fancy things. So that's what I do now. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I love I love what you do. And I wonder if you and I have had similar observations because, you know, in terms of us not being great advocates for ourselves and for our personal brand, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it seems to me that it's mostly a confidence issue, at least with the folks that I work with. Is that, you know, is that kind of a core issue that you uncover during this process with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. I think what it is is we work so hard to get to where we want to go. We go to school, we do the training, we do the extracurriculars, we get all the certifications, we get extra master's degrees, we do all of those things, but no one ever teaches us how to communicate effectively. And I think once we get to the our final destination, we arrive and we're like, wait, this is it. And now we have to be able to advocate for ourselves and talk about ourselves. And it's very uncomfortable because as much training as we've done, no one's ever really sat down and trained us how to communicate effectively and talk about the value that we bring. So yeah, I think it's confidence, but I also think it's just a lack of skill set. And I don't think it's because we're not smart or that we're not educated enough. It's really just a gap in our education and our training. So I think the value that you bring, the value that I bring is really just filling that gap between training and executing in your job. Yeah. Which is great news because it means it's another thing that we can learn and be good at. Right. Right. Totally. It's all learnable. And I think that's where we 
get really hard on ourselves because we have a tendency to be really hard on ourselves. And that's where I think we lose the confidence because we're just not taught it. So once we're taught the skills, then I see clients and everyone around us just really glow in confidence because once they have the skills, it's really just moving forward. And then of course, learning some continuously learning and unlearning new habits and new tricks of the trade. Right. Yeah. So what does it look like when you're like, what does interview prepping mean? I know that's one of your primary offers. Is it like mock interviews or are you digging deeper than that? Okay. So to be totally honest and for everyone listening, interview prep is kind of just like the first way when people come to me for interview prep, they really want either a new job or they want to get a promotion or they want to be able to talk to their employer or manager more effectively. So interview prep is kind of like the first step. It's kind of like my gateway drug. It's kind of like the first way where people really start to invest in themselves. Now, interview prep looks differently for everyone. But for me personally, 99.9% of the time, I put my clients through interview prep programs so, or online course before they meet with me. So it's a two-hour, well, depending upon your pace, but anywhere between one to two-hour course that I put you through that's required before we meet for the first time, I want you to just learn the foundation, learn the basics. So when we meet together, we can get to the root of the issue of what are you struggling with and how I can teach you the tools on how to articulate yourself better. So for me personally, my package looks like two hour interview prep course, and then we meet for two hours. And then that's really what I've seen over the past five years to be the the secret sauce. Now, Every once in a while, some people will want more time and that's fine. It's just, we add on more hours at the back end, but it's really just getting to the root cause of what are you struggling with? And 99% of the time, it's really just people struggling to answer the question or how to start answering the question, which I'm sure, you know, is tell me about yourself. You know, why do you want to work here? Why should we hire you? And I have seen and witnessed so many different emotions and feelings and thoughts of where to start with that. I have people, you know, really just being frozen and really just not knowing where to start. And so a lot of times it's just like working through the emotions in the beginning and then like getting serious and practicing and just saying it out loud and then me giving them feedback. That's awesome. Yeah. Those questions come up over and over and over again. We know that those are going to happen. And maybe we're kind of too close to it. Like maybe it's too obvious for you and me to know, yes, like these are going to be the most common questions. So it's good that we're sharing that. I feel like we're kind of pulling back the curtain. You're definitely going to be asked, tell me about yourself. Why should we hire you? Right. And what happens sometimes is I get some skeptical people who inquire for, you know, who inquire support, who inquire for the support or who are interested in getting more support, but they're like, So what's your success rate of people landing the job? Or, you know, how do you know what to memorize or expect on an interview? And I was like, listen, you never know who you're up against. You never know if you're interviewing against the manager's niece or CEO's daughter or who your next, the neighbor of the hiring of the HR manager. Like you just never know, right? Some things are totally out of our control, but what I like to encourage my clients is that the foundational skills of talking about yourself is really starts with those three questions. Like I just said, you know, tell me about yourself. Why do you want to work here? Why do you want this position? And then why should we choose you? And that's really where I start. And I get really deep. I want my clients to be really crystal clear with those answers before they ever walk into an interview. And in terms of the success rate, it really depends on the scenario. But 
I do the, the art of the humble brag is what I teach my clients because it's very uncomfortable for most women to talk about their success. So I am practicing the art of the humble brag because it's still uncomfortable for me, but hundred percent of my clients do land their jobs following the interview prep package and service that I offer, but it might not be the first one, but it's definitely by the second or third time. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like that is a hard question to answer or a hard thing to predict, like how successful people will be. You know, the answer is really how prepared are they, you know, and you can say like, you can guarantee that you will bring 100% to the table to prepare them, but ultimately they still have to take it the rest of the way. But even the fact that you have, you can say, you know, success rate is really, um, yeah. And I, I think it's like the whole package. I mean, just like getting a new job, you know, just like anything it, it's a lot of it is right timing, right place, you know, a little bit of luck, a little bit of chance, but also how much you're willing to do to level up your game and how much are you, are you willing to practice and reflect on, you know, why you really want this? Yeah. It's a lot of different factors. For sure. Yeah. I, I get asked a lot about success rates for resumes, which I don't do custom anymore. But when I did, you know, I'd have a few people ask like, what's your success rate? I'm like, I can't really answer that because the purpose of the resume isn't to get you the job. It's to get you an interview. So yeah. And I think that's a normal question to ask too. I mean, whenever I enroll in a program or whenever I'm looking for support or something, you know, I do ask that to the service provider. Like, what are my expected outcomes here? Right. And I do think it's a totally unfair question. I just don't know if there's a perfect answer. <laughs> yeah, I definitely <laughs> agree with you. So you have some interview mistakes that you're going to share with us today. And I, I'm sure that you have seen the spectrum of interview mistakes. So I'm hoping that you can kind of lead us through your top ones. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I literally, I can talk about this all day because I interview prep people, you know, every single day these days. And I've seen a lot of good things and I've seen a lot of bad things. And so what I think to just get out in the open to specific areas and specific feelings, I suppose that an interviewer should avoid, I'm just going to list them off and then we can talk about it deeper. So number one is candidates feeling underqualified for a position to you go into this interview, memorizing everything, memorizing your answers. Three, you are very generalist when you're answering the question. So you're vague, maybe all over the place when you're answering questions. And then four, you walk into the interview thinking that people are there to trick you or people are there to go after you. They're there to be mean to you. Or just to kind of like put you in an awkward, uncomfortable situation. And then last but not least is definitely number five. We're so excited about the job that once we're offered it, we accept it right on the spot. So when HR or the hiring manager calls you or emails you, you just say, yes, yes, I'll accept. And so I just want to clarify some of these interview mistakes. This is really what I've been seeing over the last several years. And I want to make sure that before the listener walks into their next interview, that we can really debunk these myths for them. Yeah, for sure. So the first one being, if I feel unqualified or underqualified, chances are that's not true, right? It's probably something that I'm telling myself, I would say. So how do I overcome that and kind of project that I am as qualified as I am on paper? Yeah, I definitely agree with you that you're probably telling yourself that. But the reality is, in my strategic way and how I think about this, 
as a time guru and uh, an efficiency guru, like no one really has time for interviewing people that they're not really interested in. That's been my experience when I talk to hiring managers or HR people or recruiters is if we pull you in for an interview, there is something about you that we like. So your resume, your CV, all of those things, your qualifications or lack thereof are kind of out the window once you walk into the interview. So I think it's really important that when you're preparing or when you're anticipating for an interview, that you have the mindset that there's something about you that they like. And during the interview, it's really your time to communicate your value and articulate to them, the interviewers, why you're a perfect fit for the role. Yeah. And you're right. Like if we remember that we were chosen to come in for an interview for a reason, you know, people don't have time to interview everybody. I think that that's a really easy way to hype yourself up a little bit and remember how awesome you are. Yeah. I mean, if you want to just be really honest with yourself is no one's giving away freebie interviews, especially today when the pandemic is kind of ish happening still. Everyone's busy. Yeah. So I look at it as no one's really wasting time doing these interviews if they're not really interested in. Yeah, for sure. All right. So number two, you said over memorizing or memorizing too much. So if I know though that they're going to ask me to tell me about themselves or why they should hire me? Like, should I memorize some of my answers and not all of them? Or should I have a different approach? Sure. Great question. So first of all, like I kind of mentioned in the beginning of this discussion, you never know what they're going to ask. Unfortunately, we have no idea. There's no way of knowing unless you have like a friend on the inside. But even at that point, they might mix it up last minute. So really gone are the days. Can you memorize anything. It's like clinical practice. I mean, they teach you one thing and then you get to the bedside and it's totally different, right? So it's the same thing. You know, I could give you a textbook and show you and show you exactly how to give your elevator pitch. But the reality is, is once you get inside the interview, you don't know who you're talking to, or maybe they'll mix up the the interviewers. So you have to shift your answer a little bit. So yeah, I think starting off with the backbone of tell me about yourself, why do you want this role, why you're a perfect fit is really important. So you get to practice actually saying things out loud and you have this uh, roadmap for yourself when you're in the interview. So you're not just winging it. But, and I say this to my clients too, when you're in there, you have to really be able to be nimble and have a conversation versus just regurgitating what we practice. And that's where I think a lot of people miss the boat. I think a lot of, especially clinicians, because we're so used to that training of kind of memorize and regurgitate kind of thing that we forget that this is just a conversation, just like you and I are having right now, Amanda, and we're just chatting. It's just a two-way street. It's just colleague to colleague. And I really want to ingrain that mindset into the listeners because it's awkward when people memorize and it's very noticeable. Yeah. I was just going to say that, that like people can tell yeah. <laughs> if you have memorized an answer and then can tell if you get kind of thrown off course when they lobby, because really interviewing and conversing is just kind of tossing conversation back and forth. And if you get tossed something that you're not expecting because you didn't memorize that, then 
you might get tripped up and it's going to cause, you know, maybe an obvious awkward moment in the dialogue. I totally agree. And I think it's just really important that we just go away with any form of memorization and practice more than memorizing things. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think also keeping some frameworks or using some frameworks or having some sort of anchor to remember, like for the behavioral questions, for example, tell me about a time when I usually recommend that folks try to remember two or three clinical scenarios that they mm-hmm. know like the back of their hand yes. that could answer multiple well, questions. Well, you're nice because I'd say 10. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can spin it. You're harsh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want my clients to be prepared. You know, I don't want them to, it's, it's, especially for long interviews, like whole day interviews where you're meeting dozens of people at these large academic medical centers or these small rural hospitals or in big like companies, pharmaceutical companies or medical device companies. They have these interviews that are all day long or even days long. I have one client right now on her third day of interview. And you want to just make sure that you're not saying the same thing over and over again when you're meeting different people. So that's why I say 10. <laughs> that's good advice. Maybe I'll, Maybe I'll, I'll compromise. <laughs> Maybe I'll bump my recommendation up to five. Fine. <laughs> All right. So the third point you made was being too vague when you're answering. So what's the difference between a vague answer and a clear answer? Yeah, that's a great question. So generalists do not make the cut in a competitive marketplace when there are, let's say, five candidates for one position. You know, the whole phrase of I am passionate, I'm a hard worker, I'm a team player, those kind of responses, while genuine and while, while might be true and honest, They just don't stand out. So what I encourage my clients to do is be very specific, intentional, and crystal clear as to why they should choose you or you want that position or company over another opportunity. So when you're answering something, you have to be really deliberate and aware and intentional with why they should choose you. And the more examples and the, and the more uh, details you can provide, the better of an idea of of who you are that you will share with them. Yeah, I think that's a great point because as you're talking, I'm thinking of, well, what if I don't know? What if I don't know why they should choose me? And and I think that's some really important like pre-work, right? Like you totally. should really, as a person, know. You know what I always, you bring up a good point, Amanda. Do you know what I always say? If you don't know why they should choose you, then why should they choose you? Mm. And I think that really hits home with people because if you walk in there with, shakiness and the attitude and the, I would say not, I hate, I kind of don't like talking about confidence because the reality is, is when you're doing something new, it's really about courage, not confidence, but you know, interviewing might be new to a lot of people. So it's not about having confidence. It's really just having your ducks in a row and being able to, even if you don't have the qualifications, being able to communicate to them why you want this job. It's so important. And if you don't know why you want it, one, why are you wasting other someone else, someone else's time? Because I also, that bothers me too, is when candidates are just haphazardly going on interviews just to like practice. And I think that there's other ways you can get practice. So it goes two ways, but the most important thing is that we realize you have to be so not overly confident, but just so excited about the opportunity and want to be there. A lot of times I see people who just like really don't want to do the interview and they just 
jump in and jump out. And I, I don't think, I think that's missing the boat a little bit. You're missing out on the opportunity to really showcase your skills. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I it sounds harsh, right? I'm being really honest and being direct, but the truth is, is it's just such a competitive marketplace, especially in healthcare. Mm-hmm. There's so many amazing people out there that you have to really be able to show up on these interviews ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really great point. And we are in such great company. We ha- we love our colleagues. It's a really talented pool of people that you will likely be up against and and kind of reframing the perspective of rather than saying, oh gosh, I'm never going to get this because it's so competitive and because all these other people have whatever other experiences, yeah. like reframing it and thinking, okay, well, here are the reasons why I'm perfect for this role really. and, and just keeping that in mind during the interview itself and like really letting everything one. else We're fall really off. Yeah. So I loved this number four that you yeah. said, like thinking that the interviewers are out to get you. <laughs> yeah. People are terrified of interviewers. So I think it's different when you're an early practitioner or new practitioner. Maybe you're going into a training program or maybe you're new on, you know, new nurse or new clinician, clinician or new, new nurse practitioner. I get this feeling that when I interview prep people, they're, that they're really intimidated by the interviewers. So I guess this might be for both of us or both sides. Like for interviewers, don't be intimidating. Like just be friendly. And, you know, you don't have to like set the stage for people to be uncomfortable to see how they're going to handle the pressure. I don't think that's the best way to get to know someone. And then on the other side for the interviewees, it's like these people are going to be your colleagues. They're human. They don't want to see you be awkward. They don't want to see you mess up. They don't want to waste your time. So think of it as just a conversation. They're just there to learn about you and you are there to learn about them. It's really a dialogue. And I think when you can move past your fears of what are they going to ask me and what are they going to think about me, the whole experience just becomes way more, uh, what's the word, collaborative or fun. Yeah, (laughs) enjoyable. Actually, interviewing is not fun, but it it can be, can be. Yeah. And I think you can, you can make the decision that it is like you can decide that you want your interview experiences to be fun and and they can be if you make that decision. And I think that they're employees too, right? Like everybody you're going to meet also has a boss exactly. and also like has to show up to work and gets out of bed sometimes and doesn't want to come in. And I think like remembering those human points of everybody, that's what I find to be really helpful um, totally agree. to kind of like get rid of that intimidation. Yeah. And I want to add here, when you're asking questions on the interview, so when you are the interviewee, when you're the candidate, the job candidate, and you're asking questions to the interviewer, just like you said, Amanda, they're also employees. They also have a boss. So when you ask questions to them, you have to think, are they going to really tell you the honest truth to all of the questions you're asking? <laughs> because they can't say anything terrible because hello, they want their jobs too. So I can talk about what questions to ask on an interview, but it's really tailored to individual roles. But one of the questions that I've been hearing a lot lately is, this is a sidebar, but tell us about the culture of the company. And I think it's a great question, but the issue I have with this question is, think about the interviewer perspective. Do you think they're going to say bad things? 
about the company or the hospital or the place that you're going to work? Because two things, they need to hire for this position, right? And then two, they're not going to throw themselves under the bus being, being like, oh yeah, our boss, Michelle, she's terrible. So don't work for her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sorry, Michelle. You know what I mean? Like, so you have to be mindful of the interviewee interviewer dynamic is that you're both there to just get to know each other. But at the same time, you can't throw each other under the bus completely. Yeah, totally. And I think there are other more like small observations that you can make yes. while you're there. Absolutely. If you're there in person to like key into the company culture, you know, are you getting emails back from your interviewer at 1130 PM <laughs> at night <laughs> from sent from my iPhone like that? Right. I would, I would cue into that, right? Like that suggests that maybe boundaries are, are not well enforced. And there are other, you know, examples of yeah. that, but I think you're right. Like if you ask someone, what's the company culture, you're going to get some sort of answer Me? that's boss approved. <laughs> on their A game. Right, right, for sure. Okay, so why shouldn't I accept a job on the spot? This is the job that I want. Why can't I accept it right there? Yeah, I I mean, this is, you know, this is a sensitive question or a sensitive topic. I think, of course you can. I, I mean, if you are so excited and it's perfect fit and you know that this is it and you've already talked to HR and you know your start date and you know your compensation and you know all the perks and you know all the downsides and you are like crystal clear that this is it. You're 150% all in. I guess, yes. But you might miss out on some negotiation strategies and you might miss out on kind of adding some pressure on their end of wanting to chase after you a little bit. So what I encourage all my clients to do is just you know, accept the phone call, say, answer the phone or answer the email, respond to the email, respond to the call with, you know, thank you so much for reaching out to me. Thank you. I'm so excited. Let me think about this. Can I, can I have 24, 48 hours? Or if there's more time that you need, because you don't want to, now this is going to sound bad. Okay. But you don't want to look desperate either. You want to make them kind of, it's like dating. Right. Like when, now I haven't been in the dating game in a very long time, but when you are dating someone or meeting someone new, you kind of want to like, let there be some time in between. So when they text you, say, Hey, you want to go out tonight? You're not going to respond within 30 seconds saying, yes, what time, where should we meet? And what should I wear? No, that's not like party dating. What you want to do with this correspondence is just give it a minute, pause, take three deep breaths gather what you want to say before you hit submit or respond, wait a couple of hours, just, just wait and pause and make sure that you have really all of your questions answered. So on the first day of your job, you know what to expect. The worst thing that you want to do is show up to a job and not understand the expectations and the role, uh, your major job description. I mean, that is, I've seen that happen over and over again. So before you accept, which I'm super excited for you for accepting and getting the opportunity. Yes, I don't want to downplay that. But before you just say, yes, I'm all in, make sure you are crystal clear about all the things that we just discussed. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I recommend the same thing because you can be excited and also ask for time to review the offer. Like, especially if you're being given a verbal offer and you want to see things in writing and you have more questions, you can say, this sounds great. Thank you so much. When should I expect 
a written offer and then Mm -hmm. like reply and say, and you can be excited and also say, I'll get back to you by this date after I've had time to review, or maybe you have to talk to your family. You know, maybe there's a conversation you'd like to have with your partner or all sorts of other things. Like if you're offered a job while you're physically there at the interview, there's something to be said for taking time to be out of the environment to then reassess how you feel looking back on it. Because sometimes I feel like when we're in the present moment, we can get really excited and it can take some time for us to process and kind of compress through all that for us to then look back on how everything went, how we feel about different aspects of who we met and what the job role entails. So yeah, I I don't think that there's ever anything wrong with taking some time. And if they pressure you and say that you're not allowed to, then that's a huge red flag and I wouldn't accept that job. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, you know, as part of what we discussed at the very top of this hour is you building your personal brand and really understanding the value that you bring to the organization. I think they're going to honestly respect you more for just pausing and being thorough and just making sure that everyone's on the same page before, before you accept. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, pausing before any kind of conversation is really important, but this is interview prep discussion. So it's the same thing. So that brings up this like one burning question that I have. Oh gosh. <laughs> so that I didn't tell you about in advance. So sorry. So let's say we're in an interview and I'm asked a question that I either don't know the answer to or I need some time to formulate my thoughts. Because for me, I'm an internal processor. I always like to go through all my thoughts in my head before I speak them out loud. That's just how I communicate. So how can I take the time that I need to answer the question without there being awkward silence? You know, should I say, I'd like some time or let me think about that? Or how can I stall so that I can get that response? Right. It's a great question. And I want to allow the listeners a quick learning point of what I'm doing right now. So Amanda asked me a question that I was not expecting. It's not a bad question. I mean, I'm an interview prep expert. This is what I do every day. However, I had no memorized answer to this question. So as Amanda was talking, I was already thinking about what I wanted to say. Not that I wasn't listening to her, but I kind of was already taking a mental note of the key points and the buzzwords that I wanted to say in the answer. So what I think is important is in communication when you're getting, I mean, essentially I'm on an interview right now, right? This is a podcast. You're interviewing me because I'm the expert. So it's very similar. But what I was doing is I was practicing how to answer the question with my expertise. And as you were talking, I was immediately thought to myself, oh, I know this answer. It is because I do this every single day with my clients as I teach them. One, before you answer any single question, pause. Two, be intentional and aware with what you're saying. And three, there's no problem in being transparent. However, what I alluded to in the beginning of this in these uh, interview mistakes is you don't want to throw yourself under the bus. Right. So if I'm interviewing for let's get let's say an example is like a sales position. And part of that sales job was for me to give public speaking engagements, webinars, maybe every week. And 
on the on the question on the interview, they asked me what's my biggest weakness, and my answer was, "Oh, I hate public speaking." <laughs> well, that is an indicator to me that you're throwing yourself under the bus and you're not a good fit for this position. So, when you get questions that you stumble upon or you don't immediately have the answer to, it's okay. Don't panic. One interview question is not going to destroy your career, but it's how you respond is what really will allow you to stand out or not. So to answer your question directly is, you know, don't throw yourself in the bus. Also don't lie. Don't create something, but also just be real and say, and like really be honest and open with the answer. I, I love that. And thank you for, for going along with my unprepared. Totally. And I'm question. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny because I interview. So the truth is, is I interview prep people every single day, but when I go on interviews, which I do regularly, like podcasts, YouTube's keynotes, all the things, I still get nervous. It's not like I'm not human. A lot of my clients are like, can you just go in the interview for me? I'm like, uh, hell no, I don't <laughs> love interviews. <laughs> it's not fun for me. It's just part of the job. Right. Yeah. And, and actually whether this was intentional or not, your response mirrored what someone should do, right? You actually did pause. (laughs) You actually did pause. Right. And then you said to me, that's a great question. Right. Which you paused again. Yes. Right. And, and all that's acceptable. I think that when we're in traditional conversation back and forth, I think we're always trying to think of our response and, and there's always this urge to fill silence, but kind of the nice thing about interviews is that people are going to be quiet and they're Mm -hmm. going to listen Mm -hmm. to you. I'm going to let you answer way more than I listen to my, (laughs) (laughs) right. I'm like, yeah, just go, whatever. I got this. It's fine. But when I'm talking to you, Amanda, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm all, yeah. (laughs) And like, if there's silence while after you've asked me a question, like if there's silence, you're going to listen until I respond with my answer, right? Like you're not going to just interject because there's quiet. And I think that's a really good point for for people to remember when they're going on interviews that it's okay to take a few moments to speak slowly, to say, that's a great question, and to give yourself some stalling time before you respond. Yeah. And I would say one of the things that I see my clients doing a lot of is just jumping to the answer. I will ask them a question and they'll just, they, I won't even be done with the question before they start really opening their mouths and saying the answer. And I, and I pause them real quickly because it just shows me as the other person in the, in the conversation that you're answering the question without thoroughly thinking through your answers. And that's okay. Again, like you said, in a man, like what you said, Amanda, in a, in a normal conversation, but when it's, really about getting to know the other person when it's when you're on a date when you're on an interview it's really about dissecting the information and critically thinking what you want to say before you say it i love it ashley this has been great (laughs) thank you so much for sharing your wisdom where can my listeners find you online connect with you work with you etc so my website is rxashley.com it's two e's it's a little uh, different. So rxashley.com. But my biggest social media is LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I'm a huge advocate of LinkedIn. All of you guys listening need a LinkedIn profile. And then Instagram is uh, the, also, it's a little bit more fun for me. Instagram, I think is like behind the scenes. So I do a lot of um, behind the scenes on Instagram, but LinkedIn is really where I give all my 
top professional tips and tricks. Awesome. Well, we will link to all of those places in the show notes so that listeners can just hop over there, tap through and connect with Ashley. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you have found today's episode helpful and you would like to support the Nurse Becoming podcast, I invite you to buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash nursebecoming. I appreciate your support. This helps me create more content for you to enjoy and benefit from in the future. Also, would you consider giving me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already? It will truly help other nurses find the show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I can't wait to connect with you soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.